podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond takes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Welcome back to a very spooky episode of Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by a UCF fan. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Live on Twitter spaces, as well as on these currently recorded episodes that you're listening to now. So thank you for joining us. Like I said, I'm joined here by a UCF fan. Steve, is it time to show them who's really under the mask? Well, it looked pretty good like this, but uh, you know, I might might as well just bring it back. It's actually me, shocker. <laughs> but I thought shocker. that was kind of fun for the little start of the show here. I do have my visor on because we got to support our visor guy this week because their their head coach wears a visor and glasses as well. So we kind of gotta gotta rep our guy at least, you know. Hey, it's hate week. We we got to do what we got to do, you know. That we do. Um, we have a very uh sad, sad string of games going on here. But I'm actually lying, Steve. What happened this week? Because I think there was a win, right? Uh, yeah. If we're talking about football teams, man, what a win for the Bearcats over the weekend as they defeated Baylor in their football match over the weekend. Amazing back and forth match that saw the Bearcats get a late winner seconds after Baylor equalized. Justin, you know, the game of football has been growing for years in uh, all across the world, and it's finally catching on in America. And I'm just really happy that it's finally catching on within Cincinnati <laughs> as the Bearcat women take a great win over the weekend against those Baylor Bears. That they have. And now we can bring light back to the show. So I don't look like I'm sitting here like a little creep. Because the, we are, we're on Sports Social, you know, the best best podcast network for uh, covering uh, football out there. I thought this was the kind of football that we're supposed to cover, Justin. Like, th- this is the football that I want to cover, you know. This is true. I watched but... both of the games this weekend, Justin. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm, all, I'm all in for covering the other football team here at the University of Cincinnati. Well, and the other football team looks like uh, we've got some interesting. interesting oh, we're talking about American football. Okay. Oh wait. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So talking about American football, we lost again, um, and that's just going to continue to happen. Who saw it coming? I think all of us did. Uh, if you joined us on our live episode after the game, um, it was it was honestly kind of sad because a lot of people come into those things after a win, they're juiced. They got a lot of energy and then they come in after a loss and they're angry and they're frustrated and they want to know what's going on. People came into that and it's just (sighs) big sigh. And that's all we've really got at this point. (laughs) It's been very hard to watch the Bearcats lose over and over again. And 
unfortunately, uh, it, it's it's just been a constant downward spiral. But there is some upside because we do get to play the battle of the mid, the worst of them all, Cincinnati and UCF coming to your TVs this fall. <laughs> I wouldn't want to watch this game if I were not a Bearcats fan or a UCF fan. If you were none of one of those two people, this is not something that you should be watching. This is strictly only for the people that want to watch two really bad teams battle it out for 13th place. Still power five football, Justin. It's still power five football. Uh, but yes, it is a battle for 13th place. And uh, that is, yeah, I don't know. I think that's going to be the number of the day today because it's a spooky number and it's the opposite of Halloween 31. So, um, I mean, is there anything worth talking about from this game? Like at well, all playing so Oklahoma state, is there anything worth talking about? I, I completely understand why you might think that, but Justin, uh, as the the great Jerry Colangelo once said, uh, the former GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, who was using burner accounts to tweet at angry fans, find a new slant. I've found one, Justin. I'm going to be the positive guy for the rest of the season. We'll have a little yin-yang going on here on the show. I think it'll be great, great for us to enjoy this little back and forth here. And also, as a, a general podcast listener myself, it does get a little bit like just not as fun when there's only when there's you know both hosts are in accord we got to fight a little bit justin and you're gonna you know speak your real thoughts on the bearcats this year and i appreciate that but i'm gonna try and find the light here in this otherwise dark season so let me let me just hit you with a couple of things that i saw because i was not able to join you for the the spaces after i just game. i also just realized we do have a light and a dark side and we are both on the, yes, the correct yes. side see that's great see we're that's already great. playing into the theme justin so okay number one miles montgomery what a great run man that was awesome i uh, that was a great touchdown run i really enjoyed that uh you know we <laughs> people have been making jokes good and bad about uh that satterfield press conference and I mean, the explosive runs have started to come a little bit more since that happened. So, um, but really, though, Miles has been a dog uh, past couple games, and it's shown. So good for him. Um, I think the defense just needed to see a couple takeaways happen, and they happened. And uh, you know, got that one pick that one of our someone in one of our group chats said was meaningless at the end of the game, which I don't agree. I didn't think it was meaningless. I thought there was a great amount of me because you know, that, that old adage, Justin about basketball players where you just got to see one go through the hoop. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're in a slump or you know, baseball, you just got to see one go up the middle. If you're in a slump football, it probably can work the same way. You just got to take one away and they got two takeaways. And I tweeted out the Vince McMahon clip of him doing the just <laughs> ready to cry, you know, and just, it was amazing. I really enjoyed that. Um, and 10, seven game at halftime, you know, I mean, wheels did kind of fall off in the second half. Ollie Gordon, like, like Philip told us last week, he's a dog. And I do think yeah. they can really put a scare in Oklahoma on Saturday, but I mean, you know, it's just another tough game, uh, after just, you know, what's been some tough games, just for this stretch, uh, unfortunate six game losing streak. And it doesn't look good for the rest of the season. I will say that, but let's think about it like this, Justin. I, I don't think there's really any reason for Emory Jones to continue starting games. And 
I don't really think there's a reason for some of these older guys to continue starting games if they're not going to be here next year. And with bowl eligibility pretty much out of the picture, I think this is a chance to really get your younger guys and see what you really have on your roster. Because, you know, you get to play your younger guys when you're 12 and 0 and you've got blowouts and in the second half of some of your games. But, you know, they don't really get those first half, like still tight game moments that they will get with, with like, if the coaching staff decides to play these players, they will get those moments. And I kind of hope they do, Justin, because right now, Obviously, you've kind of just dropped some of your goals from the start of the season. And if the coaching staff and in the messaging on social media is just going one no every week, why not get some of those younger guys in there? Try and still do that, achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too. I, I think I, I think the thing that bothers me the most about this whole situation is, is just the fact that I haven't really seen any noticeable progress week to week. And I understand where you're coming from because you do make a lot of good points. There are some things that have changed, you know, from this game to last game, you're able to create a turnover from this, this game to the game before that, to the game before that, to the game before that, when you can't create a turnover, that's great. But I, I do agree to a point too, that it's a little bit of a garbage time thing. It's a, it's a situation where your coach is making a lot of questionable calls the play has not really seen any uptick. You're not seeing anything really look better. You you have a team that's pretty darn good in comparison to where we've been at this year. It's a 10-7 game going into the half. And at the end, it's an absolute blowout. And yeah. so, I mean, I think what I'm what I'm getting at here is just that any sign of life that you do see is always followed by something that is just taking it back down to earth. Every now, single week. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I agree with you, Justin, but I think this is a good chance to look at the team that's across the sideline from us this year and this weekend and look at what they've done. They have the same conference record as us as us. They were projected to finish eighth in this league. We were projected to finish 13th. So if you were the real pessimist coming into this season, you maybe could have seen this coming. Maybe not this bad, but I think if you're a UC fan that's kind of following along and just understands what's going on, you might've been able to say, okay, you know, we're projected to finish 13th. Our coach is even saying at media days that it's not going to be great. Then, you know, there's, there, there's some reason to be down and not expect much. And so they're not really, they're kind of living up to what those preseason expectations were of them. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 we people thought that it might be a little bit better than it's turned out to be, but I think you just got to accept it right now, unfortunately. Look at them on the other side, though, Justin. Like yeah. I said, picked to finish eighth this year, had some transfers rolling in, Gus Malzahn, they thought they were just going to roll in and start winning games. They talked so much crap this offseason, and look at where it got them. And just from an on-the-field standpoint, Justin, this team – beat UC last year at their place by four points and you know pretty pretty tight game I'd say the teams were pretty close to each other last year Mm -hmm. and they they ended up losing in the conference championship game but you know uh, for teams that finished two and three in the league and that we were in last year I think it's pretty comparable to say that the jump has been a lot bigger than expected for both programs and I just I think you know you don't want to tell yourself that just because you know, we 
played so well and both of these schools played so well against those big time teams. I think it's not about like, like either program being down. I think it's just obviously us coaching change, transfer portal, all that stuff. But I really do think we underestimated the jump <laughs> and like just the yeah. amount of depth that's needed every week. And also one of their, uh, their rivals guy, he called for 10 wins before the season. So like, I know we've said some things about Chad Brendel on the show, <laughs> but I don't think anyone from that site was calling for 10 wins from, or more than six for, uh, for I, like I was the, you and I were the most optimistic out of us, Justin on schedule release day saying we were going to go eight and four. And that was still pretty optimistic. <laughs> for us. And we still came back down to earth at six and six before the season even started. So I think the thing that's really, um, I, like I said, I, I think the thing that's getting me here is, you do look at UCF and you look what they're at and, and you look where Cincinnati sits. We aren't very far apart. So if you want to feel good about another team sucking, that's great. But I, I think we play the comparison game so much and realistically, like our expectations are not what this program is currently setting up to be. And when you look at next season, you can hope that it gets better. And I talk I talked about this um, over the weekend too, but I think the part that bothers me is in order to see where this team gets better next year, you have to have blind faith that anything will change. You have to have faith that Scott Satterfield will do the job that he was brought in to do, and he will show you something different than he's shown you this year. And it doesn't always come down to talent every single week. And I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. I really do think the scheme too has shown an inability to change or adjust and it really is so repetitive that when you see the same results week in, week out, it does get really annoying. And that's where I am. I'm very frustrated at the moment. But like you said before, too, I do think there is some upside in the fact that you can play some of these young guys. I think if and I'm not going to be the I, I just never want to be the type of person to call out players. And I'm not really going to call out players, but I'm going to say this. Play Brady, play your future players. Play somebody who has some eligibility left. Play somebody who will be here next year. And with Emery, it's nothing against Emery. It's not even saying that he's not necessarily a bad quarterback or just a bad talent. It's just saying that you have nothing left in him to play. There's there's no upside to playing Emery for the rest of the year because you are basically, unless you go 4-0, you are out of bowl eligibility. Like, it's just, it's not happening. So if you've got, in theory, no end game of the season, extra games to play for, you got to try something different. And I think that that starts with your quarterback. I think that starts with all of your other positions where you can play these younger guys and get them reps, get them minutes. And again, if he's not playing against UCF this weekend, I think that's a failure by the coaching staff to see the writing on the wall of this season and make another change. Now, which, which they have Brady, yet to do. Which Brady, though, Justin? Which Brady? Lichtenberg. I think it comes down to Lichtenberg because I see I see what you're going with here, and I like the idea of playing Drogish, but I think too many people are on the thought that Drogish is just going to up and leave if he doesn't play before the end of the year. A lot of freshmen are cultured into sticking around at least one year, playing it out. 
Granted, there's a lot of freshmen who are very talented who have been moving around with the transfer portal. I don't think you lose Drogish if you don't play him and you don't start him for the rest of the year. I do think, though, that with Lichtenberg, if he's got that chance, you've got to try to play him. And I don't think you're necessarily going to lose him, but I think you got to get something out of him and see something different than what you're currently throwing out there. And with Drogish's future, I think he's got a lot of time. I think by the time Brady Lichtenberg gets in there, if you don't see it from there, play Drogish. I mean, you still get the red shirt. Honestly, I think if I remember correctly, a guy can start like four games and still red shirt, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so this you is the play either one. Here. Yeah. Yeah. You can you, play you, either one. Right. But I mean, I think I, I'd want to see Drogish for like the last two games, maybe even the last game of the season. Like, yeah, I understand. And you're probably going to at least give Emery the start there because it's his last college game, you know, senior day. Um, right. But I do think it would make sense, though, to put Drogish out there, like just to give him at least one shot. And maybe it's probably not a good idea against the Kansas team that looks very good right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that to consider. But I just don't think there's anything to lose with playing these young guys right now. No, and I, I agree, too. I think, honestly, either one could be played. I just think that given the given the longevity in the program and the style of play, I think it might you might as well play Lichtenberg. You can play Drogish too. Honestly, if you played two and two, I'm fine with that. If you started Emery and at the half you pulled him out and you put in Drogish or you put in Lichtenberg and just let him sail off into the sunset, fine by me. Play somebody different, change it up, stop doing the same thing every single week because clearly it has not been working. Um, Again, talking about UCF this week, we are in a very interesting situation. Both these teams have yet to win a Big 12 game. Both these teams have played incumbent teams. I don't actually, UCF may not have played an incumbent team yet. Uh, they might have only played re, uh, residing teams in the Big 12. But, uh, yeah. Um, so never mind that part. But there is an opportunity here to get a Big 12 win, albeit over teams that we are very familiar playing with. Um, I think the biggest thing for me this week, again, is seeing that change up in your lineup, but also you need to show that the team that you played against last year, albeit all the different changes that you've had happen, you need to show that you are still the better team at the end of the day. And that I think is a huge thing here because if you lose this game, you are clear in a way dead last. I don't think you come back from that. I really don't think you come back from that. And if there's anything about a, a pride of this game, I do believe that most people don't like UCF and this game is a rivalry to most people. So you cannot lose a rivalry game when you are 0 and 6 or 0 and 6 out of your last 6 and the other team is 0 and 5 out of their last 5 and nobody is winning any games. You have to win that game. Justin, let's clip this thought because I want to want to ask you something real quick. Obviously, you know, it's going to be a rough season for the Bearcats regardless, but if you win this game on Saturday, does the record book get thrown out? Does everything else just not matter anymore? Oh, absolutely. Everything still matters. Everything still matters. There's okay. Then it's not really game, a rivalry then. What do you mean? So I'm saying like, you know, in the true rivalry sense, you know, everybody can say you can go 0 and 11, the other 11 games, but as long as you win this game, then. Uh, the, oh, then, no. Then yeah. No, I, like I said, I, the, the results of this season are miserable. Quite honestly, miserable. And if you lose to UCF as well, that really just shows how far behind you are. Then you play Houston and West Virginia and Kansas. I'm not worried about Houston. You could get Houston, 
But Maybe. if you can't pull one over on UCF, who is in just as bad of a situation, I don't care what you say about Houston because, yes, they're a really bad team. I think everybody can see that. But damn it, they found a way to beat an a existing Big 12 team, no matter how ugly or how finicky it may have been at the end. Or as uh, some broadcasts with West Virginians might say, how fucking awesome and fucky it might be at the end of a game. Uh, funky. I'm saying funky. Funky. That's what we're saying here. Sorry. I heard quirky. Like, I don't know what y'all, <laughs> y'all need to get your hearing checked. I heard quirky. So I heard that was it, a funny it, moment from this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Justin. So you're saying it's not a rivalry because if you win this game, like it, I, I to me, if you win this game, throw everything else out. Like you, you beat your your conference rival. Like that, that's really like you know. Obviously, I, I agree. I understand what you mean. And it's a rivalry. That... Do both. Do both. Oh, okay. Be right. be something worth playing and beat your rival. It, okay. I mean. I, I see what you're saying. Like a season can be a wash. Like if this were like Ohio state, Michigan, the amount that they hate each other, you want those two teams. As long as you beat the other team, even if you didn't make the college football playoff, even if you didn't make the big 10 championship and everything was ugly, as long as you beat the other team, you're fine. I still think there's significant reason to be pissed off about going two and six through your first eight. Like it's just, okay. it's unacceptable. Right. It's right. unacceptable. I just asked the question. I, I, I know. I was just asking the question. No, I get what you're saying, but it's unacceptable. You just can't run it. So okay. with that said, I think that this is a good time because we've had nothing to celebrate for six weeks on end to celebrate something else. So if the Bearcats win this game, I have put together a little piece of something and I want to give one of these away because I think that it would be fun. And in the spirit of Halloween, we are going to have, oh God, of course it went out of focus. There we go. Stay right there. Stay right there. We're focusing back in. In the spirit of Halloween, we have made a Halloween-themed Bearcats beating, Viva La Cats Bearcats beating the Knights shirt. We're going to zoom in on this when we can later, maybe in post. Bearcats ripping the fucking heads off of the Knights. That's what we're talking about right here. We're going to have a shirt and somebody's going to get it if the Bearcats win. Otherwise, this will go deep into the treasure troves. It will get clipped. UCF fans will say you put all this effort in to make a T-shirt. And yes, I did. And it'll be fun. We'll laugh about it. And it'll suck when we're 0-7 out of our last seven. So moving on (laughs) from this game, in the spirit of Halloween, I have prepared a riddle which will have a giveaway at the end, should you be able to give the answer correctly. You can leave that in our YouTube comment here. You can also leave the answer to our riddle in our post thread on Twitter, where we put up our episode. So, or you could leave it under the clip. I'm sure we'll make a clip of this and you can do it there. So give me one second here. I feel like I need some spooky music, but it's okay. I'll put it in post. Play the old third down Halloween theme music. Oh, yeah, that would be good. That'd be good. It would just put it in post. Where's the that'll work? Yeah, right there. It's this is so bad. This is such a bad lighting of my face. (laughs) Okay, are you ready, Steve? I'm ready. And listeners, okay. Oh, look at the eyebrows. I look like a fucking wizard. (laughs) Anyways. Gather all ye on this spooky Hallow's Eve for the Bearcat's scary terrors that your eyes wish not to see. A glimmer of hope, 
that the day lasts a little longer, a win over the colonels and panthers might have your mind wander. Then, like a flash, with a wet, a wet, a wet, a wet, a wretched witch's cry, <laughs> a 17-year hex is broken, and an overtime night. The townsfolk all scream with the terrors of the eve, knowing not what the Big 12 had up its sleeve. All would be fine if the Cats could just win. All would be forgiven if the Sooners suck again. The townsfolk fought for their lives. With Big Noon as their blade, 20 and 6 and no tutters as their will to go on fades. The night grows longer with more fans on the outs. A weary soul might tremble on the road with more doubts. As the Cats looked for safety for a perch in the mountains, the night would yet again bring casualties and counting. The cougars were pouncing on every little chance. The cats put up yards, dragging on the dance. But it mattered not, as their fate had been sealed a few plays away from being the real deal. The haunts of a skid not witnessed in years. Three games is like hell, but a hell with good beers. To their home, they all ran with a comeback all planned. But the clones made it clear the cats would need more beers. Four losses straight and a second half await. To rebound was nigh to recover the high. But the night would linger on, all the haunts too real, as the Bearcats came to Cincy and continued to steal. Sorry, the Bears. I fucked up. The Bears came to Cincy and continued to steal. Five long eaves of nothing but terror. How could it get better with Stillwater even scarier? They ran to the open, fearing death was upon them. And right they would be, as old ways would still haunt them. Six straight L's and the tolling of bells. Who could fix it all? One might not tell. But on a cold night this fall, with the haunt in full swing, one number could win a prize, the deadliest of them all. The cats have played many on this day, the spookiest of them all. This is the count this day of the fall. That's and. pretty impressive, Justin. The I, I was <laughs> that that was that was really good. By the way, he didn't just Justin wrote that, folks. That was not AI. That was not that was, Chat GPT. <laughs> that was not the Bing impersonation. That was all Justin. So give him a round of applause. Great work, sir. Very much, very well done. Thank and I can't much. wait for people to hear that and guess. So we should put out the prompt there as well for what <laughs> what the question was. Yes. Well. I do think that there is an opportunity for somebody to win a sticker there. So go figure it out and win a sticker. And somebody, depending on how we do this, will win this T-shirt if we win. But that's a big if, if we win. So, Steve, what do we have left? Well, Justin, before the UCF, after the UCF game, basketball starts next Monday. So I did want to just go ahead and start on a little over under. So uh, I have a friend who has an account for a certain basketball analytics page um, that I do not have an account for, who I asked for the total wind, uh, for the projected wind totals from that analytics page. if you know college basketball, if you know Cincinnati basketball, you know what page I'm talking about. I'm sure we will <laughs> reference it many times on the show this year, but um, I did not purchase it. So again, anyway, 
Justin, I want to ask you just a quick question yep. for win totals. Now let's go with no waivers and then we'll go with waivers. Okay. So right now this site projects that without waivers, Cincinnati basketball will win 18 games this year, but I'm setting the number at 17 and a half with six and a half conference wins. Justin, are you taking the over or the under on 17 and a half wins, six and a half big 12 wins for the 2023, 2024 non-waiver Cincinnati Bearcats? Hammer the fucking over. Even without <laughs> the waivers. So you're saying that then with the waivers, you want to hammer the over as well. Hammer the over. Wow. It, can't hurt. it cannot hurt to have optimism because I have lost all of it for football. I am going but, to have but, something for basketball. Now I'm going to be on the opposite side for you, Justin, and be on the dark okay. side for basketball. Should we not apply the same lessons that we learned from this football season to basketball? And no. just go in with some measured uh, optimism for what what we might have waiting for us. No, no. <laughs> okay. See, because all right, fair enough. Because there is nothing like hope, and there is nothing like having hope stolen from you. Bearcats football has stolen hope from me this season. I did not hope for much. But I hoped for a bowl game. That did not happen. I do not hope for much for Bearcats basketball. But after seeing the uniforms that were dropped, I am still firmly in belief that we will not lose a single game in those uniforms. And so until that happens, I will firmly believe that this is achievable. Hey, uniforms are my lane, man. Back off. Hey, I don't know what to tell you, dog. No, I agree. Uh, I even like the red ones, too, with the Cincy script. Yeah, we didn't um, get to talk about that. The Y is a little bit interesting, but, you know, yeah. a little bit extra flair. I, I'm, I'll i go with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's a fun little extra thing. I thought they would do Bearcats, but no Bearcats script on either the red football jersey or the uh, basketball football, uh, red football, uh, red basketball uniforms. There we go. There it is. <laughs> See, Found it. See, I, I I see what you're saying. Oh, excuse me. Jesus it might have been just an Adidas thing, too, and then Under Armour just kind of like like copied and pasted it over. Right. Well, I don't know. I like the idea of throwing the Cincy on there better because this is one thing that I think actually has a few, a few points here. A, I believe not too long ago, sometime last year, you and I had a very specific conversation about putting Cincy on a Bearcats jersey of some kind, like actually Cincy, because yeah, we talked about it up. with script, the script, yeah. the cats. It would be nice to do it with Cincy. So I'm glad to see that that's on a basketball jersey. Moreover, I think this might actually start to maybe start a change where people actually correctly spell Cincy, because if they see branding of Cincy spelled correctly, it might actually get through their thick skulls that it's Cincy with a Y and not Cincy with an I. No, they we've already played understand. our hand on that one, Justin. Uh, we've already shown that we're upset by it. So um, <laughs> oh, we've already lost that battle, especially to the UCF fans. Uh, they will. They, yeah. It is a coordinated effort with them. They are all doing the I on Cincy. And they're you know still, what props to them. 
they're still annoyed by the fact that they're called by the name that their school actually is Central Florida. Yeah. They're still annoyed by that. It's not UCF. It is Central Florida. If it's you want to. If you want some extra uh, 10, 12 network listening, uh, go listen to the raspy voice kids uh, uh, episode from last week where they did uh, their why we hate show and they did, did it for UCF. And one of the hosts did not know that fans like did not like that people would use central Florida against them as a slang term. And he just <laughs> died laughing. So uh, shout out to Jeremy and Brandon of raspy voice kids. Um, Justin, just real quick. Uh, let's wrap up some basketball notes. Um, one more note, uh, Bearcats are not currently projected to make the tournament in either the final preseason bracketology from Joe Lunardi or Jerry Palm. Um, I'm looking for some other um, bracketologists that will put the Bearcats in the field, but I'll just say this. If you go on those overs that you said, 17 and a half, six and a half wins, I think you're right on the bubble uh, going into Selection Sunday. And again, I don't want to, I'm going to be on the dark side then for basketball and Justin's going to be on the light side. We're flip-flopping our roles. (laughs) I just want to see it happen first, just because obviously much tougher schedule than last year, even last year, you know, the team did not perform as well as some thought they could have. And when the schedule ratchets up, I said, maybe that would motivate the guys to be a little bit more. Uh, willing to close games out and not just get to a 15 point lead and try to coast like they're not going to be able to get to there. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping this will help. I'm hoping the transfers will be able to mesh, but I just, I I just want to be able to, you know, see what happens with the waivers first and then just see how the season progresses. So, yeah. And I, I have full, full faith in Wes. I have, I have faith in our coaching staff and in the transfers. I think they can make it happen. I just want to see it first. I feel like I had more optimism with football just going in just because we knew the guys that were on the team and we felt like, okay, there's a chance that they can be pretty good because of what they had last year. Basketball, they don't really have that right now. So we just need to see it, or at least I need to see it. But you're right, Justin. I think the jerseys alone give them five points on the floor. Yeah, every game, every game, every game. game. Yep. Um, All right, Justin, should we wrap up? with some other not other we should wrap up with the bearcat sports the other (laughs) the other bearcat sports wrap up uh for our wonderful sports so i'll go ahead and do that now let's start three two one soccer they defeated baylor as we mentioned at the top of the show in the big 12 tournament for their first tournament win shout out to coach erica demers and her new staff first year and already killing it and today they dropped a last-minute heartbreaker to the number one seed, number five overall in the nation, Texas Tech, earlier today. Great game played by them. Shout-out to the whole team. Pretty awesome start to go go and get to that point this year in their first year. So let's, let's see it next year, man. I, I'm looking forward to some more women's soccer next year. Volleyball, they swept Texas Tech Wednesday, and they lost to Houston on Sunday, and they are playing two matches at BYU this weekend, Thursday and Friday. Women's basketball starts their season this week, hosting Old Domin- uh, Ohio Dominican in an exhibition match Wednesday before hosting number 15 Louisville for their first game next Tuesday. Shout out to Katrina Merriweather. Uh, cross country, the men finished 7th and the women finished 10th in the Big 12 championships this past weekend. Swim and dive, the women defeated West Virginia this weekend in a dual meet at UC. And finally, Hockey team, they will play a home-and-home with Louisville this weekend. So 
maybe we'll make them those Redbirds regret giving us Scott Satterfield because we'll just make them make it hurt on the ice. <laughs> I'm trying to cope, Justin. I'm just I'm trying anything. Okay, more copium. It's fine. Uh, hey, Louisville fans, the, especially that one guy that went came up to Cincy Huffman uh, <laughs> uh, in the Kroger. Let's play basketball, huh? Let's yeah. play basketball. Yeah, I felt nice to say that. <laughs> Let's play basketball. All right. Well. I think that about wraps it up for this segment of our show. Of course, we will have some frenemies, sons of Central Florida on our show here in just a second. So please, please pause for the ad break and we will be right back. Are you being spooked out by high prices for your favorite team's gear? Are you scared that your team is going to go winless in conference play this year? Well, at Charlie Hustle, you're going to go undefeated. With the promo code 101215, you can save on any Big 12 school apparel, including a Cincy Big 12 shirt. Not an official Cincinnati Bearcat shirt just yet, but you will you will won't get spooked away by high prices at Charlie Hustle. These guys are great. They're part they've partnered officially with the Big 12 conference, and they're looking to give you just some of the most comfortable apparel at some of the best prices prices in the game so go on over to charliehustle.com use the promo code 10 12 15 and go ahead and save yourself some extra money for some holiday this holiday shout out for making that cincy big 12 shirt go big 12 go cincinnati go charlie hustle folks thank you for visiting here us okay <clears throat> one more time <laughs> folks thanks for visiting us here at viva cats part of the 10 12 podcast network you know justin I've heard that 1012, hosted by our great friend Philip Slavin, has a Patreon show. Is this correct? It does. Go ahead and go and support the show by going to patreon.com slash 1012 network. And we are looking for you to support the show by supporting the great content that Philip puts out every week. Put out a lot of great stuff over there. Talks about the Olympic sports. Talk about some betting angles. Talks talking about a lot of things Big 12. We are the Big 12's premier podcast network, and you can get even more into the Big 12 by joining the Patreon today. Go ahead, like I said, patreon.com slash 1012 network. Join today. Welcome back, folks. We have Adam Eaton of Sons of UCF, another 1012 representative, of course, representing Central Florida. University of Central Florida. I don't know. I know you guys have a lot of different names for what you want to be called, but we're glad to have you on the show. Um, it's about time. It's been a little bit, but um, you know, you're here. So we just want to know how has the season been so far? Uh, because on our side, it hasn't been fun. <laughs> yeah. Do we curse in this podcast? Because All the time. Yes. I, I, there, there are many curse words I'd like to throw out about the season UCF has had thus far. <laughs> uh, miserable, inconsistent, um, just, just a complete shit show of a season for UCF so far, man. And it's been, it's been frustrating. There's some games we should have won and, and gave away to Baylor. Some games we actually maybe could have won in Oklahoma. Who'd have thought that? And then some games we had no business being in, in the Kansas, Kansas state game. And even this week against West Virginia, they, they took it to us pretty good. So it's, it's been a frustrating couple of weeks here in Orlando and uh, similar to you guys, it's kind of like, man, like you, when, when are you going to get a break, right? This feels like <laughs> yeah. the, the the mid-off bowl right now between between Cincinnati <laughs> and UCF. Some, something's got to happen on the, on the positive side, but it's been a it's been a pretty rough couple of weeks in Orlando. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like 
have you guys taken any solace in us being bad? Because like, I mean, we've at least gotten to like share that together, I guess. Like we're both bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's not the same, obviously I'm sure for you guys as like, if, if uh, South, South Florida was really bad and you guys we're still in the same league as them, but what, what's well, that thought? Yeah, like, I don't know how to say this without insulting you guys. Cause you're nice guys, but come on, it's rivalry. I think, <laughs> I think for, for UCF, we came into the season thinking we had a damn good team. We had a bunch of guys returning John Rice. Tommy's back. He's a starting quarterback. You know, you all were going through trends. A new coach, new system, Emory Jones. Good luck with all that. Right. So we were kind of like, Hey, like we're going to have a good season this year. And so I don't even know that we really stopped to look around and see how crappy you all have played because we're just like, what the hell happened to us? Because yeah. we thought this was going to be the year, right? We were like, Oh yeah, eight, nine wins, 10 wins. Yeah. We could get in here and do some damage. We're frigging zero and five right now. So it probably helps a little bit that you look down and you see us and Houston all struggling a little bit. And it does probably didn't say much for their group of five quote unquote producers, but, uh, but for us, man, it's probably been worse because we, we had these delusions that UCF was going to come in and make some noise right away. I don't know if you all had that same thought process, but looking at it from afar, I could see where you all are like, all right, we're rebuilding new coach, new staff, new system. And so I imagine you probably thought there may be a little struggle. We were, we were just dumb as shit. Cause we were like, oh, we're going to win this thing right <laughs> out. Uh, and so now it's been a cold slap in the face. Yeah. I think that's a very good way to put it. Um, I think from our expectations, we definitely saw going into the season where UCF was projected to finish. And we're just laughing our asses off because they're like, there, there's no way if they're doing that, we're doing that too, or we're going to be a little bit behind them probably. But there's no way that if UCF is going to be able to play up to that level just because of what the Big 12 is without the other teams being able to do it too. And, and so I think so far it's just been sort of relieving to see, like, unfortunately, we're playing to expectations. Hmm. UCF yeah. is not, and that feels a little bit better. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, though, is like now as you sit back as a fan base and even on the show we're talking about, why the hell did we think it would be good? Like, how did these expectations get set? And a lot of people are pointing their finger at Gus Malzahn, who would take the press conference and say, we can compete in the Big 12. We're going to be wrapped in the top of the league. And, you know, fans, we're dumb. Like, we don't care, right? Like, our coaches, <laughs> we're going to win. We're going to win. So I think there was a ton of people who drank the Kool-Aid and was like, hey, Gus says we have a good team. Gus says we had more depth than he's ever seen. Gus said both these lines are, are Big 12 ready. Like, we're all like, oh, hell yeah. And so I think there's an element of, of the flame got stoked a little bit. But when you really sit back and think about it logically, like, yeah, why the hell did we think we were going to be a top three team in the league? Like first year being here, haven't played a lot of these stadiums. It takes some time to build up the depth. And that's where a lot of people are kind of pissed off at Gus Malzahn now. Like, hey, man, you told us we we're going to be a good team week in and week out. And week in and week out, you find new ways to completely blow the game. So I, it's funny when you sit back and think about it, like, why the hell did we think we'd be we'd be a top three team? Right. You, you look at it on paper now and you're kind of like, yeah, that, that made zero sense. But again, we're dumb. We're fans. We're all we all fell into it right away. <laughs> Well, so our coaches share the visor, the glasses, and the fact that they both call plays. But um, I think Gus has a little bit more, uh, a lot more on Satterfield. But um, I'm just curious, just because, you know, I've been looking, look, I, I probably haven't paid as much attention to you guys just because we've been so bad this year. But just been looking at a couple just talking points from you guys this weekend. Uh, like you said, a lot of people are a little bit upset with Gus and wondering why he should have got that extension uh, this offseason. Uh, what's the experience been like with him as the head coach at UCF? Good Lord. It's it's like it's a roller coaster, man. Like you never know what you're going to get. And I'm, I'm not going to be funny when I say that, but like it, it is it is clearly a an experience 
Um, so first things first, Gus and the staff are alleging that he's not calling plays anymore. Allegedly, he gave that up in the offseason to Darren Henshaw, new offensive coordinator. But if you saw the uh, the two the genius two point conversion play we tried to run in Oklahoma, where let's have a wide receiver throw it, a lot of people were like, "Oh wait a minute, that feels like Gus Malzahn's <laughs> fingerprints all over it." So it's still a closely guarded secret. I've had people really really close to the program swear to me that Gus is not calling the plays, but you watch the game on side and you're like, hmm, "That looks suspicious." <laughs> so it's it's definitely been a roller coaster of of a lot of different emotions for UCF fans, and it's just we find new ways to screw up. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. We find new ways to to screw up. We find new ways to to just to to do something idiotic. You know the things that are broken. We never really seem to fix. So the the shine is 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 quickly wearing off of Gus. What I said on the show last week is that with each baffling decision, with each with each with each loss, he's he's eroding a little bit of that trust with the fan base, right? Right. And with each each move, a little bit of that trust erodes. And you mentioned the contract extension. That's another head scratcher. So he signed that back in July. It didn't get leaked to the media. So the week after the Baylor game, so the week you have the biggest collapse in the history wow. of, of UCF, <laughs> if it wasn't for Colorado getting us off the hook with another huge collapse the next week, yeah. it would still be the biggest collapse this season. And that's the week we decided to come out and break the news around, uh, around Gus's contract mm-hmm. extension. Now it came from Pete Thamel, who's close with Gus agent. So you can do the math on that one, but th- it, it certainly raised a lot of eyebrows around why did we tie ourselves to, to Gus for so many years when let's be, let's be realistic. The last three years of UCF football, you could make the argument that we've regressed. That, that has certainly been a regression on the field. And uh, with each passing baffling loss, fans are getting more and more frustrated. And his his whole shtick around, you know, future of college football and fastest team in college football, it's starting to wear thin when you're 0-5 and you can't figure out a way to beat Baylor when you're up by 38 points or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, coach speak really sucks, doesn't it? Because it's it one does. of those <laughs> things that you just – as a fan, you inherently want to believe in something. And and I think, too, you know, Steve, maybe not as much, but I think I sort of drank the Kool-Aid on the Scott Satterfield stuff of saying, OK, he's at least got the power five experience. He at least has some understanding of what talent he's going to bring to this team. And he has a scheme and it's not going to be, you know, a wild dart throw at the board trying to figure out if this coach is going to work out or not. We at least have somebody that's there. And I think similar to your situation, you have a coach that's kind of been on the outs a little bit and is looking for that sort of restart. And then you get to this program. And for us, I mean, it's, it sucked. Like it sucked real bad this year. And I I think this is kind of where I get into this week's game is I think it's going to continue to suck. Um, And I'm wondering when does it stop sucking for one of these teams? (laughs) Which one is it going to stop sucking for this week? And it may continue to suck for each of these teams after this week, but for this week, it has to stop sucking for one team. So which one would it be? Well, here's my here's the problem. Um, Scott Satterfield has absolutely beat the shit out of UCF the last two years when he was at Louisville, right? He, he killed us in 2021. The last game Dylan Gabriel ever played for us was at Louisville after he got injured and never came back. Next year, he comes in the bounce house with, with Louisville again. And, and they just make us look foolish and they beat us with John Rice Pumley. So Satterfield, I don't know what staff he brought, what notes he brought with him, but he certainly has had a, a two game blueprint on the Gus Malzahn experience. So that concerns me that when I feel like when coaches figure Gus out, like the jig is up, right? Like as soon as you're like, oh, that's the answer, then he doesn't have another gear. So so then you're you're de- you're defeatable. So my concern is that Scott Satterfield, Satterfield brought that that. You know, that that playbook from the water boy, right? That green, you know, uh, <laughs> notebook that Henry Wickler had with him over to Cincinnati and just gonna rifle through the page 
and decide how to how to stop UCF. I have zero confidence that UCF can can win a football game. On paper, does it look <laughs> like they should be able to win? Yeah, every week it does, right? You look at your stats and you go, okay, yeah, you know, Emory Jones not playing so good. Okay, the defense does this. Yeah, we can get some points, but I have no like we had a receiver this weekend catch the ball, follow the ground, it bounced off his knee into the air for an interception. And that's the second <laughs> time that's happened this year, oh, by the way. Man. So I, all bets are off, man, on, on this one. I I like I hope UCF can go in and win, but Satterfield's had Gus's number. Uh, Nippert's not been a place UCF's had a ton of success in, um, you know, 2017 notwithstanding. That's really probably the biggest game we've had there. Uh, and so I think it's an uphill battle. I think a lot of fans think this is the game, right? This is the one we're circling like, okay, the streak starts on Saturday. But I can't I can't look you both in the, in the face with a, with a straight <laughs> with a straight smile and tell you I think that's going to happen. Could it happen? Yeah, sure. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we didn't find a way to have our center fumble the ball right over to your lineman who runs 100 yards for a touchdown. Like, I would also <laughs> think that's possible as well. One of my favorite replies today was someone saying, oh, both of us looking back at each other uh, when the game's like 7-7 in the fourth quarter. And yeah. it's just like the, like the, uh, the RG3 shocked face just staring back at each other. And just, man, it, it just sucks because I made this point earlier um, uh, when we were talking before you came on. Uh you know, UCF, like these two teams played a really close game last year in Orlando. Um, I believe Cincinnati finished third uh, behind UCF, who finished second in the conference last year, obviously got to play in the conference championship game. And it, that's I feel like that's kind of where we thought we might be a little bit better just because of the success we had been having four years in the AAC. And I'm kind of wondering, do you I wonder if we both kind of underestimated just the um, the jump that the Big 12 was really going to be like, because uh, obviously UC wins that week two game at Pitt. Pitt has completely fallen off, like off the ladder this year. They are terrible, maybe worse than us somehow. Um, it, did you guys feel like the same thing? Like maybe it was just an underestimation or is it just purely down to Gus? And do you think that it can get get better under Gus next year? Oh, it's a lot to answer. I think the first part, so I don't look at anybody in the big 12, maybe outside of Texas and go, holy shit, are they good? Yeah. Like, I think every big 12 team has their moments, right? But I don't look at any team and says, oh, we're not beating them. So I don't know that I get in this conference. I go, we can't, we can't compete. I think where UCF underestimated, and I don't know, I'd be curious what you all think from Cincinnati's perspective is we're great through like the third quarter. Then you start getting tired, right? You're trying to rotate depth in there. You don't have depth. And these lines are just pushing UCF's D-line all over the place. And we have no push at this point. We're not stopping the run. We're trying to rotate other guys in, but, you know, they don't have the, the burst at that point. Or they're, 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 our second line isn't as isn't as stout as our first line. And you got first line guys from Kansas who do nothing but eat corn and beef all day long or <laughs> 350 pounds who are just wearing on you all game. I think it's really been the depth and the conditioning for UCF that's been the issue. I don't, I haven't looked at any team and looked at me like, oh, my God, this is the most talented team I've ever seen. Now, other talented players and teams, sure, but nobody that like shocked me. I think it's been more UCS has been losing by just death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, five yard run, seven yard run, three yard run, four yard pass, five yard run. Like that's how UCS has been losing. And all of a sudden, after a 70 play, you know, drive, it feels like you, know, you pop a, a, a touchdown run. So I think that's really been the surprising thing. I think UCF thought they had more depth. I think they thought they could compete at the lines better. I think they thought that they had sort of the conditioning to be able to be successful. And that clearly hasn't been the case. In terms of we'll get better with Gus, um, and like every football coach, you talked about Coach Pete being the worst. Probably the second worst thing about coaches is they are stubborn as all get out. 
And I don't see Gus Malzahn going home one night, you know, grabbing a two fingers of bourbon, looking in the mirror and be like, you know what? I should do something different. I just don't see that happening. I just don't <laughs> see that happening. I see him trying to keep doing the same things he's doing. And he's just going to say, okay, I need a new quarterback. John Rice Pullman is going to graduate. Let me go to the portal. I got this guy. I can run my system better. I got these offensive linemen from this place. I think he's just going to keep running it back. I don't know what's going to, I don't know any college football coach who has the ability to look in the mirror and go, Hey, you know what? I'll pull a Taylor, Taylor Swift. It, it's me. I'm the problem. I don't, I don't think Gus is doing that. Uh, and so I, I think we're going to keep having the same issues. Now, if he can get some talent around him that can run his offense and not make mistakes. Yeah. I think UCF can win some games, but I don't see Gus going back to the drawing board and being like, let's, let's, let's draw this thing back up again. I think that's the frustrating part with Gus with UCF is we thought we were getting like this offensive mastermind. Like, Oh my God, this guy invented the spread offense in 1990, by the way. And look what he did. Oh yeah. Tam Newton in 2010, by the way. And we all felt like we were going to get this revolutionized system. Him and you're like, oh, you just run jet sweeps all the time. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, and it hasn't hasn't been anything different. So I don't, I hope, man, but like, I don't think Gus is going home and having that look in the mirror moment. Yeah, um, I think Scott Satterfield, if he had to take it back, he just would not have brought Emory Jones in. Um, I really think, like, I I do think the, the if you look at our stats, the run game has been decent to good in most of our games. We're just not, we just do not have the quarterback that can throw because take our last game we were t- it was 10 7 and a half and then we could just not we we threw we completed two passes in the first half like you'll that's be fine then was, you'll be yeah. fine against ucf i don't know if you've noticed <laughs> the stats we're 126th out of 130 in rushing defense so every jones could leave his right arm on the bus and you guys may still win the game if you can run the football <laughs> like that's how bad our run defense is so if, if every jones goes back to pass you guys should come out from the stands and tackle them yourself because just turn around and hand it off to somebody else and you, you'll probably beat ucf that's how bad our run defense has been well if john rice pumley throws the ball um uh, our cornerbacks are either slipping or three yards behind so uh it might <laughs> might just be we might honestly be taking the over here you know just will, will the, this be one of those like like weirdest shit games where it's like 50 49 like nine yes. turnovers <laughs> yes like balls bouncing everywhere that that'll be fun at least let's you know i haven't had a lot of fun in the big 12 let's at least have some fun on saturday right let's score some See, points and have some fun i agree yeah and, he, and here's the thing i think that could actually have some validity behind that too because the bearcats defense has actually you know typically been pretty good, but they've started to fall off a little bit game by game by game. And I I think the Bearcats offense really has been shooting themselves in the foot, but also not necessarily playing bad defenses either. What I've seen from UCF is that the defense is honestly just not good. And their offense has not really struggled to score because if you had looked at Cincinnati this year and said, we could put up 30 points a game or, you know, 29, 28 points a game, kind of like UCF is doing, we should be in most of these games. But unfortunately, we our defense has just started to kind of regress a little bit more and more game by game. Our offense has maybe found a little bit of light, but it's still struggling to score in the red zone. Yeah. And it's still struggling to do anything after marching 70 yards down the field, 60 yards down the field, the special team errors and all of these little tiny pieces, like you had said as well, the death by a thousand paper cuts. It's always one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine plays that then just start to snowball. And this whole thing gets ugly fast. So I think well, this game so is if- if we have a third and two, don't worry. I'm sure we'll do some sort of halfback option pass and, uh, and and let you all off off the hook with some 
some stupid call. I think the, offensively, you're right. I think offensively, UCF can they can put up points. Um, the defense is a, is a sieve. The front seven is just is just horrific. The back end's not terrible. I mean, the cornerbacks have played okay, uh, but they they shouldn't be the best part of the defense, and they are, which is the sad part. Mm-hmm. On offense, though, it's basically spin the wheel of bullshit. Right? It's every game. It's well, we had four turnovers. You know, well, our left tackle went out. Well. John Rice pulled me on over the knee. Well, we had 10 penalty. Like, just, just spin the wheel and whatever lands on you. He's <laughs> probably done that stupid thing this year. And every game, it's the same. Like, well, you know, got to clean up the penalties. And then we clean up the penalties and have four turnovers. Oh, we got to clean up the turnovers. How oh, we do that? And then we let our, our receiver throw a, a halfback option route. Like, yeah. it's just always something with the UCF's wheel of nonsense. So I envision you, we'll probably get you at a good fourth and one. And, you know, we'll we'll play some sort of fumble, ruski annexation of Puerto Rico play. And uh, we'll give you the ball back in your territory and you can go down and win the game on us. I, I think one question that I have for you that is interesting just based on this season specifically with how things have gone poorly for both. Do you think that this really all comes down to your coach or do you think a lot of this also comes down to talent? Do you think it's like a 50-50 split? Do you think it's more of one or the other? Where do you think the issue really resides this year? That's a great question because what I would tell you is if you just take, and I don't know how you feel about Cincinnati, but if you take UCF starting 11 on offense, and you put them up against a starting 11 on defense, I think the coaching staff would feel good about that matchup, right? We've got fast guys, strong guys, quick guys. Like, we've we've got good players, right? Would we win every, if you did like fantasy football and you're you're comparing who you're going against, would we win every line? Probably not. But I think that the, the coaching staff would feel good about the talent that they have. It's the second level talent and the third level talent. Mm-hmm. That's where UCF gets itself into, into trouble. But I will say that I, I don't think our coaching staff has put us in any 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 good favors right like you, you i'm sure you guys watch a ton of football right you probably football junkies like the rest of us if i asked you to describe gus malzahn's offense can you do it like what what's the ucf's identity in offense you, i had somebody tell me recently offense for ucf isn't a system it's plays it's not like a system of something it, it's just it's just plays and it's gus trying to say hey i i can outsmart this guy i'm gonna you know what i see a look here i'm gonna go with this little tunnel screen third down with the safety and it's always instead of just run the football down the down the throat of the defense get three yards and move on he tries something you know nonsensical so i'm gonna go 60 talent um 40 coaching just because i think it's that okay. second third line talent that ucf needs to get better at but i don't think coaches have done us any favors putting him in great spots at, at all times throughout the game that's definitely fair. Um, I, I think, you know, for one final question that I'd have for you, um, of course, this game is probably going to be ugly on both sides for both teams, and it's going to be an interesting one. I'm glad I'll actually be in person. Uh, Steve lives in Phoenix. I live in Nashville, so we don't always get to go to games. But of all the games that I'm going to be there for, it's going to be this one this year, <laughs> uh, of course. But it's going to keep things interesting. So I'm curious for you, what do you see – this game ending out at like, if you were to give a final prediction, this is the line Bearcats, this UCF, this what's it going to be? I mean, I'll, I got to pick UCF just because I mean, what the <laughs> hell, right? Like, well, I'm not going to come on your show and pick your team, right? Um, <laughs> give me like 30, 27 UCF. I, I don't, I don't think a ton of, I, I think it's probably one of those deals where the team that makes the least amount of mistakes wins. And that's not revolutionary analysis, but I think for both of us, we've both had head scratching moments, either turnovers or, or third downs. So I think the team can, that can play the cleanest and make the least amount of mistakes um, and make the mistakes at the right time, not the wrong time. I think that's when UCF's problem is. Yeah. If I don't care if you get called for a holding, you know, second down and eight yards, you know, in the second quarter, 
but we seem to get called on the touchdown run <laughs> and we've had two touchdown returns called back this year on holds and blocks in the back. We seem to make the mistake at the worst time. So whoever can make the least amount of mistakes, mistakes and or not make them at the critical times, I think probably wins this game. Again, I think if you can run the football on UCF, I mean, you're, you're probably already up seven, nothing right now. Um, just walking <laughs> in the stadium. So if, if you can, if your running game is solid, your line can your, your hold up, you, you can, you can definitely get some points on the board and then eat the clock. And then, you take UCF's offense out of the field, which frankly is our best defense. You keep UCF's offense off the field. Obviously, things slip in your favor. But I'll go. I'll go Knights thirty twenty seven. But I have zero confidence in that. Well, thank you for giving the very in depth explanation, Scott Satterfield. If you're not watching the show, please watch it and do something that he said. If Scott, uh, if he doesn't know how to run the football. You all got bigger problems. Yeah. Like if he didn't use me to tell him to run the football, if he didn't see three hundred ninety nine yards Kansas put on us, then you guys got bigger problems. Yeah, uh, I, think I think we do have. He could take some notes. <laughs> you might be, maybe. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Steve, give us your line here. Uh, I'll just be quick. Uh, I'll say uh, Bearcats win by a non-blocked field goal at the end of the game. Uh, we'll go thirty-four, uh, thirty-one. If you didn't, yeah, that's how we lost to uh, Miami so, this year. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. I put one in the jar, Justin. I talked about the Miami game again. Oh, yeah. There's another one going to Cincy Reigns. Um, I think for my prediction for this game, I'd say that I'm going to have some optimism that it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting and a little bit of a back and forth match. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to put Bearcats 43, UCF 37. It's going to be a weird one. There's going to be some scoring involved and a lot of it's going to come off the ground, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us this week. Really appreciate it. Uh, this episode, of course, for us will, re uh, release on Halloween. So I have one final question to send you off. What is the best Halloween candy? Ooh, I'm a chocolate guy. I'm a, you know what? I'm a big three musketeers guy. Okay. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's All a right. lot going on there. There may be some caramel, some other crunchy stuff. I'm a, I'm a big three musketeers guy. Okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Reese's myself. So. You know, we can we can come to an accord there. <laughs> yeah, we can we can be we can be comrades on that one. I'm with you. I like it. Awesome. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Uh, everybody go check out Adam and Mike and Trace on Sons of UCF do a show every week as well as a live show on Thursday night. So definitely go check them out, support them, uh, support all the shows on the 1012 network. But looking forward to hearing from you guys this week and looking forward to the game on Saturday. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having us on. Good night. Thank you. Charge on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, I'm going to kill you for that. There's no way you just said that. Thank you so much again to Adam for joining the show. Um, again, for all of you, have a safe, happy Halloween. Might be a little chilly where you're at. Uh, we just had a nice cold front run through the Midwest. So for those of you in Cincinnati, bundle up. It's going to be a fun one. But get your spooks in. Have fun out there with your kids. Trick or treating. Take it easy. Viva the cats. I need some candy. I need some candy, and I could use a Bearcat win on Saturday, especially against our rival, UCF, Central Florida, Florida Tech, Golden Knights. Hilt my managers. Feel the cats. <laughs> <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.